Welcome to this season-end edition of Tailgating from the Couch. Of course, I am your host, Garrett Wilson, and the season has come to a close. They finished it. They crowned a national champion, Alabama, your 2020 national champions, after a 52-24 win over Ohio State, the sixth national title for Nick Saban at Alabama, the seventh national title for Nick Saban overall, passing Bear Bryant for most national championships as a head coach. And we'll talk about Saban's legacy here in a little bit, but looking at this game specifically, it's a game that Alabama was really in control of the entire time. At one point, you know, there was a Mac Jones fumble, Ohio State went and scored, it was 14-14, but from that point forward, it was just all Alabama. Ohio State had no answer for Devontae Smith. Smith, a huge night, finishes with 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns. Keep in mind, all that came in the first half. He suffered, uh, I believe, a broken finger and did not play most of the second half. So, a huge first half for Smith. Najee Harris added 79 yards on the ground in two scores. Also caught seven passes for 79 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Waddle had three catches in there, mixed in a big third down conversion on that opening drive for the Tide. For Ohio State, Trey Sermon left the game early with a shoulder injury. He didn't come back. That really hampered their running game. Justin Fields, unable to have the type of game he had against Clemson, finishes with 194 yards passing and one touchdown, was also the leading rusher for the Buckeyes, 67 yards on six carries. Mac Jones, huge night for him, 464 yards passing and five touchdowns again. It was a game that Alabama felt in control of the entire way. They really looked like a dominant team, like the much better team, and I think undoubtedly the best team in the country this season. You know, sometimes you crown a national champion, and I think you're left wondering, well, were they really the best team this year? And I think the past two seasons with LSU and the Joe Burrow-led team and this year with Alabama, there's no doubt that the best team in the country this year won the national title. So I think that's one thing we can take solace in in what's been a crazy year, an up-and-down year. People wondering, well, did Ohio State even play enough games? I think they proved to a lot of people that they maybe belonged there by beating Clemson. But I think it was very clear that Alabama was just a much better team on Monday night. And the Crimson Tide really showed that. So congratulations to them. Another national championship. Ratings for that game way down. I believe something like 18 million watched it. That's down, I think, from 34 million in the initial college football playoff championship game. It was the lowest rated national championship game since the beginning of the BCS era. So, going to see what the committee does and what college football does to try to get more eyeballs back on the national championship game. I think some people are tired of it being the same types of teams. They want an expanded playoff. The Bulls are starting to lose some of their meaning. So, it's been a weird year. But I think it'll be interesting to see moving forward what they choose to do, try to get more eyes back on the national title game. But talking about that national title game, talking about Nick Saban again, his seventh national title overall, his sixth at Alabama. And I I don't think there's any doubt for most people that Nick Saban is one of the, if not the greatest college football coach of all time. Eddie Robinson at Grambling has an argument as well, but... And sheer on the level Saban's been at for so long. I mean, since he got to Alabama in 2007, I believe is when he started, 
you know, they had a, I think, won nine games his first year, something like that. But they've just been rolling ever since. It's hard to remember a time when Alabama wasn't in the national title picture. And I can remember Alabama with Brody Croyle and even John Parker Wilson early in his career, you know, playing at a 500 level. They lost the game to an Oklahoma State team that finished 7-6 and six back in uh, 2006. So what Saban's done at Alabama is really incredible. But one thing I do want to point out, and this might sound like a, you know, bitterness from a different fan base or, you know, someone who doesn't quite buy into all the SEC hype all the time. They're a great conference. The SEC teams always get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the rankings and to the committee, and no team gets more of a benefit of that doubt than Alabama. Two instances in Nick Saban's career, two instances where his team didn't even play for a conference title, yet went on to win the national championship, 2011 and 2017. LSU won the SEC and won the SEC West in uh, 2011, Georgia won the SEC. I believe Auburn won the SEC West in 2017. 2017, Alabama was let into the playoff. They end up beating Clemson. They then go and beat Georgia in overtime. And of course, 2011, the year that I think most people believe brought upon the college football playoff, with the closest voting margin in BCS history when they were just ahead of Oklahoma State to that rematch against LSU, and they dominated LSU. So one of those things that you do wonder if, you know, Saban doesn't get that benefit in 2011 and they don't play for national title. Does it kind of derail the ship a little bit? Does things look a lot different? So you can also look back at his title with LSU and back in 2003 when they beat Oklahoma. A lot of people will tell you that LSU team was good. Not near the best team in the country that year. USC, if we remember, went undefeated, uh, claimed a share of the AP National Championship, but those two teams didn't play. So imagine a USC matchup and how that changes the outlook of Nick Saban. So we'll have another Nick Saban tie-in here in a little bit, but still a great year for Saban, uh, a crazy year overall. We saw some entertaining games. Um, you know, we have a lot coming back for in 2021 that's going to be interesting to watch. You know, OU in the Big 12 looks like they're going to ascend to another dominant year. Iowa State's bringing a lot of people back. Texas just hired Steve Sarkeesian. They're going to see what happens with that. Bill O'Brien expected to be hired to Alabama to replace Sarkeesian in the offensive coordinator role. George has got a lot of talent coming back, led by JT Daniels. Clemson, the Trevor Lawrence era now over. And it um, is now up to DJ Uyunglele to take the reins of that program. Alabama uh, losing Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Waddle Harris, losing a lot of talent, seeming to reload, though, with another big recruiting class, maybe the best recruiting class um, we've seen in the past 15 years. So 2021 could be another very interesting year. And talking to Alabama and the, the idea of reloading, you know, it wasn't too long ago we felt Texas was always going to reload as well. They had Garrett Gilbert coming up. They were going to just keep winning games, playing for Big 12 titles, playing for national championships, and it kind of fell off. That's always a possibility. All it takes is one season to kind of go awry, and that dynasty can crumble. I mean, we've seen it before so many times. Texas, USC, Miami were all once dominant programs in college football, 
and now they're still trying to climb their way back up. Miami looks pretty interesting next year. Derek King, as long as he's healthy coming back. Charleston Rambo, the receiver from Oklahoma, transferring to Miami. So that'll be an interesting to look at in the American. Um, uh, Chad Chandler Morris, Chad Morris's son, transfers from OU. He's going to SMU. He'll be joined by Grant Calcaterra, the incredible tight end out of Oklahoma. So a lot to look for next year as far as you know who really steps up and keeps things rolling into 2021. Um, a lot of blue bloods at the at the front. You know we're going to see Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, kind of the top four I've seen being thrown around. Those not too in those too early top 25 polls that a lot of people talk about. So, again, a great year. And kind of moving into the offseason, the biggest story seems to revolve around coaching changes. Um, we haven't seen any major overhauls in college football yet. Part of that is due to the fact the uh, NFL hasn't hired head coaches yet. We saw last year Matt Rule left Baylor, went to Carolina. Dave Aranda had to come in. And it kind of starts this merry-go-round, this carousel of coaches once one coach leaves a certain spot. We saw that a little bit already. Steve Sarkeesian leaves the offensive coordinator position to Alabama, goes to Texas. Bama expected to hire Bill O'Brien for that role. Um, and talking about Nick Saban a little bit ago and his career, of course, Saban, an incredible college coach. But we have seen that he, he could not get it done. He did not excel at the NFL level which is interesting for this reason. Another guy who gets talked about as one of the greatest college coaches of all time is Urban Meyer. Well, Urban Meyer has been announced as the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it'll be interesting, one, to see there's all these conspiracies about he's going to go get Tebow, he's going to sign Dwayne Haskins, it's going to be like an Ohio State, you know, Florida-type mashup. I don't see that happening. They should take Trevor Lawrence number one overall. We'll see what happens there. But the interesting thing about the Urban Meyer, you know, aspect is he was linked to Texas for so long that obviously didn't happen. He has said multiple times that he was done coaching. Well, now he takes this leap to the NFL where we've seen so many great college coaches fail. You know, Nick Saban, maybe the best example, went to the Dolphins, was terrible. Bobby Petrino, a great college head coach, went to the Falcons, couldn't get it done. Um... We've seen this over and over and over again. Chip Kelly had a decent year with the Eagles, and that quickly fell apart. He's back in college. You know, there's only been a handful of coaches who succeeded at both levels. Pete Carroll at USC and now with the Seahawks. Um, he's won a Super Bowl and a national championship. Jimmy Johnson at Miami and then with the Dallas Cowboys. Some will say Barry Switzer with Oklahoma and then with the Dallas Cowboys. But I think those in the know realize that Barry Switzer's Super Bowl came off the back of Jimmy Johnson's teams. Um, but it's still one of those things you don't see that success rate very often in both um, leagues, in both levels, because it's a very different coaching atmosphere. It's a very different way of coaching. You're no longer dealing with kids and young adults. You're dealing with grown men and that's the biggest difference and maybe that's a good thing for urban in this scenario because the jaguars are a younger team so maybe they feel like he can kind of get that college type culture going moving forward so that'll be an interesting thing to watch to see how that plays out in the nfl with urban meyer it's a it's a blockbuster hire it's a big name hire i doubt there will be another hire of that magnitude this offseason in the nfl but if there is, 
I think it will happen with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the only name in the NFL that could become a head coach this year that's been linked to certain head coaching jobs this offseason is in Philadelphia, and that's if they pull the wool over everyone's eyes, surprise everyone, and somehow hire Lincoln Riley away from the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, His name has popped up. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is with the Eagles right now, a former Oklahoma quarterback, so there's some familiarity there. Um, Jeffrey Lurie has some familiarity with Lincoln Riley. I guess they spoke in regards to Jalen Rager in last year's draft, so his name has been linked. I don't see him going. He's got a great thing going at OU right now. Um, Spencer Rattler's coming back. They have so much talent. They are stacked again and look primed to win a 7th straight Big 12 championship. But if for some reason, if the Eagles, is it's too, if it's too alluring and he leaves and he goes to Philadelphia, that will be a major shakeup across the college football landscape. And especially the Big 12, you got to wonder, you know, possibly who steps in to that position for the Sooners if Riley leaves. Again, I don't see it happening. But again, it's like I talked about earlier. You're just one injury or one bad coaching hire away from OU going from the Stoops-Riley era back to the John Blake era. So it's going to be very interesting to see what how this offseason plays out in the NFL and how that then affects college football. So looking at the offseason from our standpoint here on the podcast, um, what I'm going to try to do is check in once a week or so, depending on what news comes out. We'll talk a little bit about the draft as it gets closer. We'll go over some of the all-star games, you know, when pro days, who's having good pro days, who's really jumping up draft boards, who's falling down draft boards. Um, of course, any head coaching news or coaching news in general, you know, there's always that uh, period of transfers that happen, big recruiting signings, things like that. I'll try to come in every so often and talk about those and just kind of keep things rolling until it is time for the 2021 college football season. Hopefully one that's filled with fans. We're seeing full stadiums and the atmosphere that we all love that comes with college football. Hopefully that can be back in 2021. I, I started this about halfway through the season this year. I've loved doing it. I'm going to continue to do it. And for those of you that have continued to listen to me ramble and rant and just talk about God knows what, I appreciate you sticking with me. So that's all I have for right now. I'll check back in periodically. You can check with me on Twitter at G Blaine Wilson, of course, at Tailgating from the Couch on Facebook. That's all I have for right now. As always, stay off the field and don't be a meme. (laughs) 